morning. We're delighted you could be with us today. Hope you're having a great day, and I'm delighted you could join us for our worship experience today. Uh, it's, it's an unusual way for us, isn't it, to be meeting like this? Uh, but it's a fun way, and I hope that uh, you're able to connect. If you're watching either on uh, Facebook or on uh, Google, could you like it and put it in there? Uh, we would be delighted to have others and share it as far as you can. We'd like to have them join us if you could. And, of course, it will be available for you later in the day. But if you'll click, invite, and say, hey, we're having a watch party or something. Come and join us. So we're delighted you could be here, and we welcome everyone wherever you may be around our community around our state or around our world we're glad you're here this morning uh, the question comes up about will he be back and we're talking about Jesus and last week we looked at Jesus ascension and how Jesus ascended in heaven that's where we kind of left things and if you remember we were looking at the text in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 that said men of Galilee and these angels said to them, why do you stand look here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. The thing that we can gather from that, if we're reading that and saying that, is what the angels told those apostles and disciples that were there who witnessed this, this ascension of Jesus, that one, he's coming back, and uh, Jesus will return. They, they would get that kind of thing somehow. And he would be coming back from the sky, coming down from the sky, and they would see him just as they had seen him go. So that kind of got everything rolling. And people were saying, well, Jesus is going to soon return. And many of them expected Jesus to return during their lifetime. Well, that didn't happen. But what it was called, what it was signified was called the second coming of Christ, the second coming. Now, I remember there was the first coming that was thought of as the first advent of Christ when he appeared as a baby and was born in Bethlehem and grew his life together in Nazareth. And then he toured all over Judea and down through Jerusalem and Samaria and other parts where he lived his life. And then he went to the cross and died for us. This is also called, and I'm more familiar with people calling it also, the blessed hope, the hope that Jesus would soon return and coming back. Well, if you're a student of the Bible or not, it doesn't matter. If you look in the last book of the Bible, the very last chapter in Revelation 22:12, John made this statement in 96 AD, approximately in 96 AD. We're not exactly sure when Revelation was written. But around 96 AD, John made this statement in John, uh, excuse me, Revelation 22, verse 12, where he said, and Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. That was in 96 AD. So the question we could ask, well, where is he? If he's coming soon, where is he? And how soon will this happen? How soon will this take place that Jesus will come? Well, for the last 2,000 years, the church has been saying, he's coming back soon. He will be back soon, whatever that meant. And down through the last 2,000 years, they've been expecting, well, Jesus will come soon. My father would tell us, oh, Jesus is coming soon. In fact, he thought Jesus was coming so soon that he would never get married or have children or certainly never retire and pass away. But all those things happened 
even though he was expecting Jesus to come soon. So the end, the church would say, the end is near. The end is coming soon. Well, in reality, that's been said to us for over 2,000 years now. And as a result, people have a lot of questions about how that's going to happen. A lot of questions. I'd like you to, if you would, find your Bible. If you can find your Bible, and we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, 2 Peter is right near the very end of the Bible. You have John, the, the epistles of John, and then Jude and Revelation. So if you look at the very back, you'll find 2 Peter, and there's a last part, little part here in chapter 3 called the Day of the Lord in my Bible. And I'd like for us to look there in first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And it says in verse 3, Above all, above all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Where, they say, is the coming he promised? That's what they will say, these scoffers. Where is it? Well, that's a good question. Where is it? And it's, it's a question many people ask. Well, if you say Jesus is coming soon, where in the world is he? Where is he coming? And they will say, where is he coming? He, he, the promise he has made. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has from the beginning of creation. Everything's continuing on. That's kind of uniformitarianism kind of thinking happening. Has things gone on exactly as they have from the beginning? Has there been no change? Has the flow of history been exactly the same? Well, I would submit to you that the cross itself became a hinge and became a, a difference, well, back and forth, the cross of Christ changed everything. In fact, even as we record our years, we find, we find that there's a B.C. before Christ and an A.D. after Christ, after his death. That particular lineage and thinking happened, saying that the cross was the very center. So are we at the end? Is this really the end? Well, if you're familiar with Jesus' writing and Jesus talking in the Time in the end of Matthew, the question the disciples went and they were leaving the temple and Jesus was commenting to them about the temple and, and as they were leaving, they asked Jesus three questions. They asked him, when will this be? He told them that there would be the destruction of Jerusalem, not one stone will be left on another. And so when would this be and what will be the sign of your coming and what will be the end of the age? What will be the end? How can we know this? And in, through the chapter, we find in chapter 24 and chapter 25, Jesus describes in quite a lot of detail how the coming of Christ would keep be and how it would come about. In chapter 25 and verse 13, it says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. In other words, no matter what people may say, God has not revealed to us when these things will happen, the day or the hour. But keep watch, Jesus says. Keep watch. And so the church has been keeping watch for over 2,000 years now. My dad certainly did. And encouraged us as his children to keep watch for when Jesus would be coming back and would be returning. Well, the reality is that the reality is that there have been a lot of people who have tried to set the time and the date. Tried to say, oh, this is going to happen. Uh, there are going to be, and there have been lots of them down through the ages. 
And so there have been some even in the late times that I remember in the um, 1960s up and saying things, oh, that Jesus, Jesus is going to come. These date setters that, oh, that maybe not the exact date, but oh, we know the hour. And they claim to know the when of the end. I claim to know, I know when this is going to happen. Through my study of the Bible, I've been able, and they sound most interest, earnest, and they quote scripture, and they say, oh, and they point to all the things that are happening around them. And so they make those kind of statements about that, oh, he certainly is going to return. I remember them saying things like, well, the Bible says clearly that in 1964, Jesus will come. And part of that was because we had a Catholic president, and they thought that would be the end. That's the last thing. We have a Catholic president. And so by 1964, Jesus will come. Well, then others said, well, it has to be in 1998, because that's the end. Jesus certainly will come in 1998, for sure. I remember this. I remember people telling that for that. And people said, oh, this is what's going to happen. And then I've also heard that obviously the Bible is telling us in the year 2000, because that was the seven-year cycle that they were talking about. In the year 2000, that's it. Our computers won't work anymore past 2000. It'll be a terrible thing, and Jesus will come in the year 2000. Certainly he'll come. And with earnestness, these people claim. They had unwavering confidence in what they were saying and what they were proclaiming, that this was it, this was it. Well, if you've been paying attention to this, you'll have to recall that all of them were 100% wrong. 100% wrong. So no wonder there are scoffers and doubters. Lots of people. And the reality is, even if you've been in the church for a long time, like I have, been in the church for a long time and heard all of this and, and have heard these people setting dates, setting times and all the fervor and look at the times, signs of the times and it's just a fulfillment of prophecy and going on. Jesus certainly can't wait even six more months. There can be lots of doubters in the church as well. I certainly have run across them. But these powerful messages that these end time predictors and preachers see, they they just lay out, and it seems so logical and seems so right as they point to scriptures back and forth and forth, and they preach with power, and oh, it seems like it's so right, and people listen, and they, they like to hear this, and they like the excitement, and they like the, the pickup that it gives, oh, we've got to be ready, Jesus is coming so soon. The reality is that predictions into the future, well, they're very hard to argue against. Did you know that? Because how do you know? I heard one gentleman says, well, the uh, stock market's going to crash within six months. Well, he kept repeating that and repeating that, and eventually I'm sure it's going to happen. And we did have kind of a, a, a stock market crash a few years ago. And eventually it becomes true. But he used that, oh, this is a sign that the stock market's going to crash. Get your money out of it. Well, I want to tell you about a couple in my church. Years ago, they went to hear one of these in-time uh, predictors and preachers. And he preached quite a convincing argument. He made cassette tapes, and he sent them around. He was one of the ones that also said that the stock market's going to crash. And so these dear folks, they got, and they listened every night as he held his series on 
how this was going to happen. And they became convinced because this man was so earnest and so deeply spiritual, they thought. And they were so certain that he was right that they, they went and said, well, we have no need of our retirement. Jesus is coming so very soon. And so they took and cashed in all their retirement money and they gave it to this man for his ministry, to expand his ministry, to warn others that Jesus was coming so very soon, within six months for sure. And they lost everything. And Jesus did not come in six months. That was in 1980. He did not come. And they asked me, I was young in the ministry, and they said, well, pastor, what are we to do now? And I didn't have any real answer for them. I don't know. You... You got confused. You, you gave away your money. You, you followed after a, a charlatan, actually, who appeared to be, but you made a bad decision. And I felt so sorry for them. And I'm sorry for others who get caught up in it. It seems like there's something about it that intrigues us, that, that we have to know, that we've get, got some new insight or something. Someone has a secret to solving this. And so they rush ahead and they ignore Jesus' words and it's happened over and over and over and over again. Certainly happened in my denomination in 1844, but it's happened over and over again since then. And it's tragic. Well, a friend of mine that I actually went to a seminary with is John Pauline, and he wrote this book about what the Bible has to say about the end times. It's a very interesting book and a very interesting read. You can get it at Amazon.com. <clears throat> so I give him credit for these points I want to make that he makes in his book. And this is just a snippet of it. But he makes this point about what is happening and what uh, there are three main attitudes, three main things that come out of when this happens to people, when they get all excited, oh, Jesus is coming very soon, within six months, we've got to get ready. Well, the first one that happens to them is they grow weary. They get totally burned out on the end, and so they shut down and they become numb to anything happening around them. Jesus encourages us to know the times and the seasons. Well, they thought that this guy had known the times and the seasons and he convinced them and when it didn't happen and didn't happen and didn't happen, now they get burned out. And so they get turned off and stop listening. Another way is uh, they go to someone else and they whip them up all fresh again and they get all excited. Here's someone else who knows much deeper. Oh, he has deeper insight and so then they get deeper in and then the burnout is even deeper. And when the end doesn't happen, now they're really burned out and don't want to follow anything, don't want to listen. And the third response, the third attitude as well, the reason Jesus came is because it's somebody else's fault. It's, it's the youth's fault. It's the uh, conspiracy that happened. It's, it's your fault over there. And they start pointing to others. We're the spiritual ones, but you are the ones that are causing the problem. And so they start pointing their fingers all around at everybody. That's very true. I've seen that. I've seen that in my ministry. And it's tragic. But today, you can ask, so, so what now? So what now? 
I'd like to share with you some things that I think that are important. And I think that help us from, from following after rabbits and chasing things that aren't true and for, from getting swayed. You know, if we carefully read the words of Jesus in the Bible, if we carefully read what he's talking about, even those prophecies that talk about the end of time, there's always a caution. There's always a carefulness about it. There's always put in there, be watchful, for you do not know the time or they. When we see people are saying, we know the time, we know the time, I immediately go, no, it's impossible. They couldn't be right. Because the Bible says, we cannot know. Only the Father knows, Jesus said. So careful reading of the Bible, I think is important, and, and not to run off and get all excited about something. A second thing that we can look at is for watch out for those who are time setters. And when people start saying, oh, I know the time, this is coming, and there's an urgency, it's gonna happen very soon, it's gonna happen within six months, or, I immediately go, wait, mm, not sure. I've been down those so many times before. And as a pastor, I've watched people in my congregation and my friends chase after those and just to be disappointed. So we should be careful. All right, I want to go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Could you come back to 2 Peter chapter 3? And I want us to look at the argument that Peter makes, the apostle of Christ, the disciple of Christ, makes later on in his passage. And he says, verse 8, but do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. It's very important to realize that with the Lord, there is no hurry and there is no delay. We saw that in the life of Jesus. He didn't have to hurry back to try to save Lazarus' life because he could raise him from the dead. And he wasn't delayed in his coming on the first coming at the advent. He came right on time. So there is no hurry and there is no delay. God knows exactly what he's doing and he's taking care of it and have confidence in that. Verse 9, and the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some have understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Wait patiently, he will come again. Perhaps you've never gone through the Bible and understood some of those great teachings about the second coming of Christ. There are hundreds of references in the Bible, hundreds of them, scattered throughout and many of them in the New Testament. They're scattered throughout scripture about him coming again. They also give counsel of what to do and how to wait. If you've never had the experience of going and have an opportunity to, to look and see those great passages, I invite you to do so. To look at them, find out about them. But if you are, be careful that you don't get all excited and throw dust in the air and run around with your head cut off as a chicken and, and you're looking and you're saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Be careful. He promised he would return again. That's what the angel said. He will return in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so we'll be patient and understand that he will come again.
I want to encourage you to look for the soon return of Christ. I do. I'm watching what's going on. I'm not going to set a time. I'm not going to set and get you all excited about always oh, coming so soon. But I believe he will be returning soon. And I believe that our world is heading in that direction. And I believe his promise. And it doesn't take a lot of faith because it's all written there. And if you look through the great prophecies there, it tells us. So I encourage you, wait patiently, and he will come back again. Dear Lord, I thank you for the promise that you've given to us. And help us not to be swept away by, by preachers who set times and get us all excited and, and are worried and concerned you told us how to watch and how to wait. So, Lord, may we follow you in that. Lord, I, I thank you for giving your counsel in Scripture that we don't know the day or the hour, but that we are to watch for you to come and to watch the seasons and to be patient and to wait for your glorious appearing. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.